0: You know, I think it's it's stuff that uh it's topics that probably a lot of people I know have dealt with in their life or are dealing with in their life when it just comes to like kind of where am I at in my life or what's my relationship like those heavier questions really you know had this really cool intersection with cycling and I think that is kind of a universal story no matter where you're coming from there's something about cycling to me that really allowed me to process some heavy things in my life. And I see that and I hear that from other people that do my events too, you know, some, I mean, I I say the tour divide was life-changing for me and I don't say that lightly, you know, so there was something about that process of spinning the wheels that many times and, and being that raw emotionally and physically that really was needed for me at that time.
1: KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media. Welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host Trevor, and this is Tristan. And on this episode, I have a great conversation with race director of the Heck of the North gravel race out of Duluth, Minnesota. Jeremy Kershaw. I talk with Jeremy all about his race, the heck of the North, but more so we kind of get into the weeds a bit about the state of gravel and the importance of, um, a strong, uh, the importance of mental health. Uh, Let's see. The importance of mental health, the importance of...
2: How do you say the importance of taking care of your mental health? I think that's good. The importance of taking care of your mental health. That's exactly
1: what, what we talk about. Um... So yeah, really cool conversation with Jeremy. Um but before we get to that conversation, Tristan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Glad you, to ride with you today. Yes, we just uh finished up a cold, snowy fat bike ride. And um mm. you're you're becoming quite the the regular here at the Dirty Chain podcast.
2: I know, now that you moved over to uh, East Lansing right down the road from me makes it pretty easy makes it too easy yes um um yeah so you
1: you had mentioned we just finished up a uh, fat bike ride and this is kind of why i wanted you to join me um today because i i mentioned last episode that i had just gotten a fat bike and i'm kind of working toward polar roll but right around the same time i got a fat bike
2: i myself got a fat bike (laughs) i uh I'd been looking for months and months and months and uh, Global Fat Bike Day came around and still without fat bike. So I posted that to my Strava title and had a, had a good friend uh, reach out and say, hey, I can solve your problem for you. So you rode Global Fat Bike Day on your... Skinny, skinny, skinny tires of uh, 2.35 uh, <laughs> it's not bo Jackson, uh, drop it seems,
1: it seems skinny at this... Uh, time of the year but yeah usually usually you have the fattest tires
2: on the yeah. on the gravel ride i actually said that on the the ride i said i'm not used to being undersized in terms <laughs> of tires so uh yeah that was uh that was a very happy global fat bike post day i guess sunday sure. uh getting connected uh, with a friend and getting that fight back so, so
1: so we've been riding a few times with, you know, just like, I, I think I said this last episode, but man, I can't get over how much fun it is. Like, how are
2: you enjoying your, your fat bike? <laughs> I feel, I feel silly not having one before. <laughs> no kidding, And <laughs> even listening, listening to episodes, uh, what, like a year and a half, two years ago where you're talking about you and uh, Sheldon were talking about getting fat bikes. It, I can't believe we just didn't get them. Like they're, they're amazing. It's so much fun. Just,
1: I feel like, um, basically everyone that listens is like, of course, like what, why are you like, what, what did you expect of they're, they're, they're the best. And, and I, I, I feel like such a newbie out there. Cause there's like things like even today, um, we're riding with Chad, Nicole and, and Scott and, um, he's like, Hey, look, he's got jumbo gyms on,
2: he's sliding all
1: over the place. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. There's so many, there's, you know, you can, it's just a whole world that I haven't even paid attention to before.
2: Well, we've been going, you know, typically for us, it's, it's talking tire size, but like, I'm still riding some of the fattest tires out there, but they're not studded. So occasionally I, I, I'd scrape through that fresh snow today and, and get to the ice and it just wasn't enough, uh, traction and scott's running i don't know 380 some studs or whatever yeah, per tire yeah. and it's like well now not only do i have to talk with i have to talk stud count per tire so uh yeah a little above my pay grade there i guess but uh <laughs> can't wait to get to it next year uh when i get some new tires um
1: i know you're not doing polar roll and i'm sure we're gonna have episodes dedicated directly to Polar roll. Um because I'll I'll be um I don't know if I'll be succeeding in riding it. I will it all <laughs> well,
2: hopefully you'll be succeeding, but uh I, I'll let you jump in feet first and and uh to let I'll, you know about it for, yeah, the, for next year. I think that will it that seems like the most feasible uh first race in Marquette for me. I, I think Polar roll seems like that is the best fit for me.
1: Meaning, meaning, not like, so there's Polar Rolls in Marquette, Michigan. So there's Polar Roll, then there's Crusher, which is a really long gravel slash mountain bike race. And then, of course, Margie Gessick, which is one of the hardest mountain bike races. I, I'm with you, man. I mean, Those, I, I did Crusher. Cool. You could do Crusher. I think Crusher is um, is in your wheelhouse more than Margie Gessick I, but I can't speak on Margie Gessick.
2: Yeah, I uh I think those are on the list uh to be done for me at yeah. some point. Um Yeah. Crusher is is very much scary still. Um and Margie is definitely at the furthest point, you know, from me thinking about it even, but it's definitely on the list. I think Polar seems the most appropriate to yeah. start with.
1: I mean this is kind of why um I wanted to talk to you though is speaking of what's on the list, it's January, it's a, a new year and I know you have several things planned for 2022. Um, some of those will intersect with what I do, some of them will not. You have some some big plans. Um, you know that the fat bike thing is is fun. And before, I just want to quickly interrupt myself in all of this and say, one of my big goals for 2022 was to have more fun on bikes. And the fat bike is such like the perfect tool for that. And I, I want to thank like you and Sebastian, our friend, Sebastian, for just getting me out and doing borderline stupid rides. I mean, we, we do all this like urban single track stuff and the, it just is a complete blast and, you don't need a fat bike for it, but you need friends that are willing to take you on on stupid rides. So that was a big goal for me for 2022. We kind of started it at the tail end of 2021, but um, I want to keep doing that. But I also have big amb- big goals, ambitions for some other races, but I want to hear about some of your races. So um, I think let's start in... St- Date or we shall we start out of state? What do you want to do?
2: I think we start in state. Uh, what is it? Mar is it March or April? Barry, uh, I don't even know <laughs> when. <laughs> I don't even know when it's coming. It's March actually. This is year, it it's March. March. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, March. We've got the Barry Psycho. Um, so that's gonna be a fun one hundred. Um, a little different than the last rendition in October when it was full summer kit, nice and warm. Um, you know,
1: maybe maybe we bought our fat bikes at right at just the right time because we you never know what it's going to be like in march
2: <laughs> i still think the bow will be the Bo jackson yeah, will yeah. be the right choice a yeah, right. bike yeah. there it just depends on will i change the tire from uh what i ran nice man at or will i put my slicks back on um so i think i'm starting out with barry um The only thing that I've actually signed up for besides Barry is Gravel Worlds out in Lincoln, Nebraska, doing the long haul. Um, Super stoked for that. That's 300 miles of rolling Flint Hills and Nebraska gravel. So
1: yeah, I know they say rolling, but the climb, the the climbing from what I'm, well, from what I hear is is pretty brutal.
2: Yeah, it's uh, I think they say rolling because it just continuously happens uh <laughs> is what Nicole and Chad shared with with me or with us. Um yeah. It's we're I guess we're not in uh we're not Michigan anymore where <laughs> it's just flat. So I mean, that's 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 pretty incredible
1: um to one just to even to sign up for it, but man, uh yeah, gravel worlds it's a bucket list race for a lot of people um but then they opened up this 300 some mile one
2: how how many miles i think it's 300 they haven't posted they uh they change the route every year is my understanding Mm -hmm. and they haven't posted the route yet um i believe they're pretty consistent with uh making sure you can get to gas stations fairly easily uh self-supported um at this at this point Sebastian is riding it with you? Yeah, um, Sebastian and I are planning to ride it together. I believe Chad and Nicole will be out there. So um, hopefully hopefully, we make it around the loop, I guess. That, man, that so
1: you have done many ultra-endurance rides, um, and uh, this one will be above and beyond.
2: It will be the longest ride by... At least 90 miles. Yeah. So I didn't think we would talk about this, but a
1: couple times that you've been on the podcast, we've talked about the Sancho 200. And you've done that three years? Three times? Three times, yeah. Yeah. And it's probably happened four or five or something like that. I know that you were bummed this year because they basically... Retired. They retired the, the course
2: they retired the uh, Traverse city course. So I was pretty, pretty bummed about that. Um, although Jason did hint that it would, uh, be heading North. So I took that very literally that the course would head out of Traverse city North. Um, especially seeing some of his, his friends rides, uh, um, heading out of Traverse city. I literally thought it would take off from the same place and go North, but, uh, now seeing their recent posts about the Sancho UP um, yeah
1: so i mean it's kind of not not so much breaking news but it just just happened a couple days ago um that uh sancho posted that they're changing up a court the course and they're going to start in the UP um kind of the same area starting area
2: as uh the Moran 166 correct like yep that's that's my understanding is uh, same starting area yeah route uh i think it's going to be treated as more of an adventure race and right you have uh, a window it's kind of like
1: the crusher like an ex
2: um
1: crusher
2: take take the adventure so did you
1: (laughs) that it's funny because you were saying that you didn't expect to have to have
2: have to but
1: i I feel like you do you have to do i have
2: I, i mean i i had I had not signed up for the Moran 166 yet, but that is on the list to do, um, so now I have to go to the UP twice. I, I mean, yep. it's as simple as that, unless I can have a very busy weekend. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So I should go twice. <laughs>
1: you're, saying, you're saying do... One of them, one day... Well, I
2: would have to do the Moran uh, 166 first, and then... The, the, Mur- the, the Sancho 366. <laughs> the Mirage. The Mir- I don't know, but one of them you get a cupcake after completion, so uh, that would be the Sancho. I'm wondering if you ride the Sancho, get the cupcake, and then go into the Moran? I think this sounds like a terrible idea um i I (laughs) was thinking that it would be a two weekend adventure yeah but as we discuss it (laughs) i don't know what's gonna occur i'm also thinking i need somebody to ride uh ride that far no i
1: do like uh the sancho um since it's a window i think it makes it a little easier to figure out and also i don't know is it is it times are there gonna be timing chips or is it just go
2: do it you know, I'm sure it's I don't think all gonna... the
1: information... I think I got to get Jason on and, and talk more with him about this, but...
2: I think we should speculate a little bit further. That way we can pin him into a corner. Ooh, perfect. <laughs> Although I do know for a fact that Bear Bearclaw does not get painted into corners, so... Um... I heard that first place gets a free Bear Claw bicycle. I heard that first person to do it uh leading up to the Moran and, and piggybacking them together. On the same weekend? Same weekend. Yeah. And whoever places the fastest between those two, they get the tomac. Oh okay. Uh, okay. Which,
1: I've heard that whoever comes up with that idea gets a free free tomac. I would I would go for that. Uh, <laughs> I would definitely go for
2: that. Um
1: Yeah of course so we don't know all the details but um
2: I There I, is a I, sand dune adjacent there is a sand dune adjacent, and one detail that when you speak to Jason, I need to know where that sand dune is in terms of miles into their course. Was that sand dune? I saw a
1: picture of them riding down a sand dune. Yeah, Was it's, that it's optional. On the, is that on it's, the
2: route? Well, it's optional, but it's the, the actual dune itself is is not required or not part of the route. It just is adjacent to the route. So what I want to know is where that sand dune comes in. If it's late in the ride, probably not going to touch it. If it's early enough in the ride, would I do it to say that I did the sand dune? I think, and I know either way. I think I'm if not this if this actually exists, it. it needs to be done. I, I I agree. It's just how much are you going to hate yourself? A hundred and seventy do you, do you miles you walk later, up
1: the sand dune and then go down. De- Is it no, like no? No, up I and- think
2: you ride down the sand dune and then you have to walk back. Oh, that's even up worse. At- <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Uh, well, and it looks I w- like you pick up some speed on the sand dune. I too. will say it's probably a good place to crash and burn too. Um, it does go down to water, so I mean it might be necessary to cool down depending on when you when you ride this thing.
1: I would be interested to do the sancho with you i think that would be fun to go find a saturday and just go up there and do it
2: also um the official stats are that it's 33 percent harder than uh sancho traverse city so that means it's going to be extremely fun (laughs) that's is it more sandy I I, mean, I don't I don't I don't, I don't, I don't it, know I don't it couldn't be more sandy yeah. I, there's no unless that sand dune is I, it, I just I don't know but I'm there's, excited obviously I'm there's, excited. there's
1: some excitement but there's also a lot we don't know about it so there's I, a
2: lot of fear it's I, I guess <laughs> if if you're gonna do a verbal meme it would be uh Ralph Wiggum sitting on a school bus and <laughs> I'm scared, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> no that's I that's interesting though
1: like it, it it's like a late um a late addition to the to this year's gravel calendar and it just adds like something like like i said like with the fat bike like i want to do more fun things more adventure things and i and this feels to me like more of an adventure not something that has
2: to be done or Forced to to be competitive with the series, yeah, and you're
1: not you're not like holding a wheel or or trying to like kill yourself for 166. Like Moran is a whole different story. That that's competitive. It's just all out for. I mean, some some people treat it that way. Some people don't. But um, but this this one like gets me a little bit excited. And so now, I mean, you have like Crusher is kind of like that. um, Crusher EX and um. Now, now the the Sancho up. So I don't know. Be, there's there's some choices to make here. So this this guy I talked to about Heck of the North, Jeremy Kershaw. He has like a, a series of three different gravel races, and there's one that's Heck of the North, and then one's like a back b- bike packing trip, and uh, th- then there's another one. But I think that whole it, it really reminded me of like um, the 906 trio of races, kind of a little more bikepacking gravel oriented than mountain biking necessarily. But, um, I think, I think it's cool to have in your set of, if you're going to have multiple races and, uh, like, uh, Jason and and bear claw and and all this, like, I think it's cool to have an adventure race as well as a a competitive race, you know, Mm -hmm. and just kind of mix up the the feels of, of of all of them just like Jeremy has done at um at Heck of the North. Yeah, I mean, super interesting. I wanted uh to kind of talk about fat bikes and and your season and and all that, but this was all before all before we heard that uh that there was a new version of Sancho and you're like the the local Sancho expert, so it it just seemed super fitting to uh to talk more about that with you, but um yeah, Tristan, I'm sure that we will talk much more on the podcast as the year rolls on but thank you for joining me here
2: yeah thanks for having me i appreciate it it's always uh always good to get on and chat and also more importantly fun to get out on a bike with you yeah definitely all right
1: now let's get to my conversation with jeremy kershaw from heck of the north you don't mind as we begin um do you mind just introducing yourself giving us your your name and um and what you do in the cycling space
0: yeah my name is jeremy kershaw and i am the creator and director of heck of the north productions which is a gravel cycling um event business here in duluth minnesota um and over the last 14 years, we've created and built upon the cycling world that existed up here on the North Shore uh, long before I got here, but we have brought three different events to life now and kind of been part of that process of seeing gravel cycling and, and off-pavement cycling grow up in this part of the, this part of the world.
1: Yeah, so I've definitely heard of Heck of the North, um, mm. and um, and then we can we can get to this this video that I that I saw you on on YouTube a little bit later. But um, but yeah, like I I've heard of Heck of the North, and and then when I saw you on on this video on this YouTube film, I thought, man, I, I got to talk to you because one, you've been in the scene and in the community for a long time, and and then also with your event, but then also you have a really cool story. So, um, but before we get into the story, I'd like to talk a little bit more about your event specifically. Um, you said it's you have three events right now, correct?
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the, the the main ones, heck of the are they all called Heck of the North, or how does that how does that work?
0: Yeah. No, uh, the Heck of the North is our first event that we created in in two thousand nine, and our other two events. Um, we have one in the spring called Le Grand de Nord, and that's based out of a small uh, North Shore town of Grand Marais, um, yeah. closer to the Canadian border. And that that format is very similar to the heck of the north. And then we introduced a, a bikepacking style race, I guess, um, about five years ago, and that's now called the Fox. And And that's taken we've we've done several different versions of that. Um, That was originally called the heck epic. I've gotten away from the word epic these days because everything is epic. Um, (laughs) But, uh, and we've now also kind of made that into a slightly shorter event, but that's introducing the idea of carrying some stuff in a, in the back, in the bike packing fashion with a time element to it. So um, which I have a, a pretty big I have space for in my life in the, in the world of bike um, in the world of cycling. The heck of the north started um, with about 40 people in 2009 and that was really based off of my experience with Chris Skogan's uh, Almanzo, which was arguably one of the first gravel cycling events in the, in the country. Not the first, but it was close. And Chris did an absolutely elegant job of of creating that event. Um, and I I drove home after my first one thinking I've got to do something like that up here in the northern part of the state. And I was really just blown away with the format. I, I hadn't competed for years. And so that that's that next fall, that was in the spring, and then in the fall, we I, I put together the the bones of that first event. So we had about 40 writers do that first heck of the North and it's since grown and morphed and every year is a little different. Um, and now we're up to, you know, 700 people writing it, which is, you know, back in 10 years ago, I'm like, I'm never doing more than hundred writers. And we used to do <laughs> postcards and, and the whole thing. I mean, I really based it off of the, at the time, the kind of the gravel ethos, which was donation only or quote unquote free, which that's another story. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of grew and every year it's grown a little bit more. Our, our intent is never to have as many cyclists as possible. And I, I swear I'll look at it every year and say, you know, does it still feel the way that I want it to feel? Um, and I think we're still there. And I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of new people come into the world of cycling, which is I think overall great. That's now become, really where it's at for me is is introducing people to a challenge and to still keep that again i'm I'm all about the feel of the event and, and what we create and um i hope that's there still and I'll, I'll do everything i can to keep that that um essence of what i want to be part of you know if i were to do a ride or a race
1: my guess is when you were inspired to start your own race you had no or event maybe is a better way to say it um you probably had no idea about the traje- trajectory of cycling in the United States. Um, are you just kind of blown away about kind of right time, right, right place, right time? Or um, yeah, I mean, it seems like 20, 2009. I mean, were we even calling it gravel racing back then? I'm not even sure. Um,
0: um, yeah. I mean, it's a good question. And, and, Yeah, you know, gravel cycling, it was like, it seemed pretty avant-garde at that time. And, you know, what's old is new again. And, you know, like the heck of the North is based off of a name play on Perry roubaix which is nicknamed the hell of the North Mm -hmm. in northern France. And um, so I put a Minnesota spin on that. Which is, it's brilliantly
1: Midwestern, I have to say. It's right. And,
0: and, and, and. um, you know, in all those events, and all of you know, the heyday of cycling in the U.S. was arguably in the late 1800s and, and turn of the century in 191900s when, you know, there was probably there was probably no paved roads. You know, so again, we're back to this idea of of riding off pavement. And and I, I love talking to these people that grew up on farms in the Midwest, and, and they're like, you know what, I hate you because I spent the first 30 years of my life trying to get away from gravel roads, <laughs> and now I'm back to like banging around gravel roads and um I I don't know maybe I, I think I was emotionally taken by the event that that the two events the other one was called the Ragnarok and that's still going on and that is very yeah. very similar to the first one and that's in the Driftless area or kind of the the Coulee area of, of southern Minnesota and um and I, I'm not alone in the in the idea that these were really different than other competitions or other events or other cycling events that I grew up with. You know, you were a Cat Four racer, a Cat One racer, or it was all road biking. You know, where I grew up, and and then mountain biking came along, and and you know that obviously was a thing and and still is. Um, but uh, if I felt that, I'm sure there's hundreds if thousands of people that have right. felt that same feeling from gravel cycling. That was, it's something different. And it's it still, it still is that way to me now when I scout routes and when I do other events, I i, I love it, you know, and I think it, it hit a nerve in a lot of people. It was this mix of hard, but doable. And, and I don't know, the the community, the community is a word that I am really careful to use. It's, but there is kind of this community of people that are really nice to hang out with and I, I i still feel that the people that i meet at our events are really good people overall you know it sounds cheesy but it's like they're just fun to hang out with you know and i that's boy that's the recipe for a pretty successful trend in cycling i think i was welcoming uh you know i still say you ride with whatever you got as long as it's you know, functional and that it's somewhat comfortable. And, you know, so we see all different types of rigs still. Um, and then you've got a a group of people that are generally welcoming to others and that's a, still a cornerstone to our events. Um, and yeah, you know, boy, looking now, you know, our, we've turned our thing into a business for several reasons we did. And I, I won't look back on that. But to see other bigger events, which is another question, really in my eyes, of like, wow, where is gravel cycling's going? I looked at some of the people you interview. You know, the you've interviewed some really pretty famous, so to speak, people Mm -hmm. in the world of, um, well, of gravel cycling, of mountain biking in the U.S., if not the world. And uh, it's interesting, I think, to see those people now competing in gravel events like the Unbound and the you know the Mid South and um, Rebecca Rouches and, and all those right. in the Belgian waffle ride. And mm-hmm. so now when I look at my events, we were like, well, where do we fit into the grand scheme of things? And, you know, I, I'm comfortable with where we're at. And, um, it, with this question of right time, it, it, I look at the, the business model, so to speak, or the model that is gravel cycling for us. And it's like, boy, this is kind of an amazing thing that we have. And I, I, I hope to keep it that way for as long as I can.
1: Yeah. That's that, that is interesting about one thing you said is like each year you kind of look and see, well, how many people can we, uh, where's our cap and how many people are we going to bring into each of these events? And, um, as you see it grow and grow, I'm, I'm sure there are some pros and there's some cons to that. And as you're saying, talking about feel, you know, and as long as it feels like, you intend it intended it to mm-hmm. then um i don't think more people are are it are an, as a negative thing um but it is it it is interesting because um here in michigan we have everything from very large gravel races mm-hmm. uh, Bear bay is one mm-hmm. of the earliest ones mm-hmm. and it's it's very it's huge and a lot of yeah, big know. names come to it but then we have a ton of really grassroots mm-hmm. um gravel races and and I love each of them, each side of that spectrum, yeah. like a- as much as the other. And, yeah. um, but it's different, you know, it's totally different. The first mm-hmm. gravel race I went to was a grassroots smalls called mm-hmm. Waterloo Grit and Gravel. And it was meant to be a stepping stone because I was, uh, working toward Bear Bay. Mm-hmm. and, but that first, it was that first gravel race, not bayer Bay, but that first one that really mm-hmm. hooked me and was like, man, I didn't come home and say i want to start my own race <laughs> but but you're I' don't... far healthier than I am yeah. <laughs> there was already a uh, pretty um vibrant mm-hmm. race gravel racing scene in that in my area, but I did leave that first gravel race and say i want to do more of this and hang out with more of these people mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but do you are do you find it a, i mean you, you said you're comfortable with where you are with where heck of the north sits in this spectrum um so is is that is that difficult as you see um i don't know i i could see it we are in a in in a like even two years ago i don't think we could have imagined how huge gravel was was going to be right now Mm -hmm. um so like is part of you hesitant i don't want to i don't want to really, uh, expand too much. I want to stay local and grassroots or as part of you, like, why not? Let's, let's let everyone experience what I want them to experience.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. It's a good question. it's one that I've thought about a lot in the last, again, year and a half and on a couple different levels, um, maybe three levels. First level was Many years, I, I didn't want to do anything other than 100 mile races for the event because I wanted it to be pure in the sense of like, hey, we're this is a 100 mile event. That's just the way it is, you know, and when you're ready to join us, that's great. You can join us, but I'm not stepping. I'm not making this easier. But then we were like someone was like, you know, you should introduce a 50 mile event. So we introduced a 50 mile <laughs> event and then we introduced a 20 mile event and. I think that's where I'm gonna stop. I'm not gonna sure. go into the half mile events and all that. But <laughs> what was really cool, I, I backed off of me being snobby about it and realized that we were getting people riding that just weren't doing the hundred-mile events. And then and then it's kind of a gateway drug too, you know. The 20 milers were like, Hey, I, I did that, I wonder what you could do more. And like, I'm gonna next year I'm gonna do the 50, or I'm gonna do a, a 50 event and another, you know, another event. And then you get people going all the way up to the 100-mile event. So to see that progression and to see people get back into cycling, that really maybe, and, and where it's really cool is we're seeing really young riders and we're seeing, you know, older than 60 riders start to flow into the event. And I'm like, you know, this is great. Overall, mm-hmm. it's a really good thing for cycling and for for health and just everything, all the positives that come with cycling. So with that, you know, number two, maybe, was the idea of of growth. And we were like, well, um, as long as, again, our event isn't a total mess during the day, because it really is a lean operation. It's my wife and myself, and then a, a crew of really good volunteers. And we're lean. I mean, we don't have barriers set up. We don't have, I mean, we try to make it look good, but this is not, you know, this isn't a tour de France stage, you know. And um, so the idea of like if we can continue to grow and introduce new people to cycling or bring people back to the idea of kind of that communal cycling experience and 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 have people drive home and think, wow, that was a really cool day, then great. We'll keep going as much as I can, you know, um, this day, you know, the day of like I'm not going over 100 participants is long gone. You know, I look at other events, again, like the bigger ones that are out there, I'm like, man, I do not want to get into the world of 3,000 riders. You know, <laughs> just, I don't think there's, I mean, there's physical limitations to where we ride, you know, from whether it's parking or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. just person power. I mean, we are so fortunate to have the volunteers we have that we couldn't do the events without those volunteers. So that's amazing. And every year, particularly my wife helps put that together and and it's great. So there's like yeah we'll keep organically growing a little bit, but I have no ga- I have no goal of being the biggest event in the in the country uh, without no way like absolutely not. Um, and so now you know this gets a little trickier. The third thing is this idea of growth and gravel cycling, and I've been quiet. You know I write I used to write quite a bit through the blogs uh, or my blog or through the website and. Um, and like you know i don't think the world needs more infighting among a good of a good sport like cycling you know that being said i i think i think debate is not a bad thing and i think critique of what is happening is not a bad thing um and what i'm alluding to is the idea of you know events that start really focusing on professionals coming in and riding or kind of the idea of like well gravel cycling is now drawing in pro level athletes or, or like right sub pro level athletes, or they're being sponsored by, you know, all the big names out there. Mm. And um, I realized that the heck of the North productions sits in this again, kind of the spot where I'm like, well, we're, we're growing, we're bringing new writers in, which is great, but we're not, I, you know, we have awesome sponsors, but none of them are dictating that they have, you know, the name of a mattress company and then the name of the gravel event you know that we're not going there at all it's heck of the north plus our partners that help out you know Mm -hmm. and and so I, i like that size that we're at right now where it's a little bit of growth um but but not too big and we're not being dictated um you know we don't i don't if we get fast people riding that's great i really really like watching that end of the race but to be honest, I've always enjoyed the stories from the mid-pack and the and the people that are finishing last. I mean, the running joke in the endurance events I do of like if you're going to be slow, you got to be tough, you know. And so those people finishing yeah. at dark thirty, those are the stories that are like, holy mackerel, you know, I can't believe you did this. You were out twice as long as the people that finished, you know, five hours ago. And so anyway, my 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 preference my is always toward not the flash of bringing in pro cyclists. Um, it's those people that are going hard and that maybe are just trying to make it the the fastest they've ever had, you know, or just finishing their first hundred mile event or finishing their first 26 mile event. Now I say that I don't mean to, this is not a criticism of the other events. It's, it's more of where do we fit in the into this world now of like gravel cycling in the States, which has really grown. You're right. It's like, you know, it's kind of the heydays when bakeries are, you know, it's like, you go to your local bakery to get a Mm -hmm. loaf of bread, you know, or it used to be dairies, you know, now it's like every, you know, most States have small events that you can go to, that are very grassroots, you know, and then if you wanted to, you know, you could go to the supermarket kind of, and go to these bigger events where you're like, wow, you're rubbing elbows with some really talented athletes, you know? Yeah. I I think it's just a different feel. I, I, and I, I don't know if one is,
1: is worse than the, other. I mean, it's, I I don't think, I don't think you're saying we don't need the, the the supermarket race. I think there is a danger though, when, all of these supermarket races are starting to pop up and then almost every weekend of the summer you have all of these huge races and i i don't know are you do you, do, you, do you worry about it drawing people away from from your race and the and just um, survival um, and the competition of all these bigger races well
0: it's funny i um you know I'm not going to, you're right. I'm not going to label any of the bigger races. They are what they are. And and I've, I've raced them myself. I, I raced the Dirty Kanza back in, in its 10th version back mm-hmm. when it was called the Dirty Kanza. And it was a great experience. I mean, it was a beautiful course I've yet to get down to Bobby's to do the mid South. And that looks also incredible in its own sort of way. Um, and so I, they are what they are. I I think I'm amazed at how big and how quickly they grew. And, and, and to be honest, when I looked at our model and from, I'm like, well, God, what are we doing wrong? You know, it's like, we, <laughs> we've been in it now for whatever, 14 years. And we're like still just modest growth. We're not like crashing servers when we go live. And so I, I you know, I didn't have a chip on my shoulder. just like, well, it's, it's different, you know, we're sure. Um, and now I'm like, that's fine. That's totally fine with where we're at. And I, I I still hear more positives about our events than negatives, you know, by a long shot, you know, I'll get the occasional like gripe, but, um, and that's okay. And I, I think, you know, these smaller events, you know, you can give it a go. There, there's still quite a bit of work to put on. At least they are up here in the northern part of the state where I have to permit quite a bit. And then there's mm-hmm. insurance and all of this. And, and that's one reason we made it into an actual business to kind of keep it going. I know that I've seen the demise of some events um, that it's like this gets back to this thing about free gravel back in the day. It's like, yeah, it's free except for the gas that you, you know spent there, all the gear that you spent there, that you <laughs> donated, hopefully, to the event organizer. And meanwhile, the event organizer, like myself, is like paying insurance and permits, and, and none of it was free, but it was covered by donation. And I think the sustainability of gravel events, at least my own, I'll speak to my own, really dictated that I made it a little bit more formal. I mean, I'm spending hours of the, almost every day of the year, well, in various forms, you know, mm-hmm. various amounts of time working on the events. And to keep that going, when I'm a you know, a professional in another sense and I have a family, it's like you need to change your headspace to make these into a real thing, you know? And and we started charging money and and it, it was I, that, I got was, some pushback on that. that that's what and, I was just gonna ask. Was yeah. that
1: was that difficult? I mean, it may have been a difficult decision, but th- yeah, did did you receive
0: some criticism for that? I, I got some criticism and, and some of it was pretty passive aggressive and it wasn't bad, but you know, I, I definitely got this like, well, it used to be, you know, it used to be this and, and now it's, hmm. you know, now you're charging and I, it definitely hit a button with me. I'm like, well, wait a minute, you guys, it's like none like I said, back to the free thing is that, you know, I was free up to a point, but I, I literally have seen events go down because like, it it takes a lot of time. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, Hey, if we're, if we want this event to keep going, I need, I need personally to make it something that's going to last in in that sense. And that's why I needed to make some really fundamental changes. And the idea that it's like, you're going to, you know, it's just things change and you know, your favorite song changes after you listen to it for 50 times, you know, it's just, (laughs) that's, it's going to change. And, and hopefully not necessarily for the worse, And I, I think we, you know, people can afford, you know, a fairly modest entry fee, you know? And I, I think um, people that know my events in particular know that I'm not in it for the money, but it, it's to keep it sustainable, you know? So gravel is changing that way. And I, and so back to this idea of like, wow, there's some really big events drawing professionals. I'm like, well, that's if that, some people are really into that and that's fine. Um, and at the same time, I think there's probably a ton of small events. And if they can keep going, that's great. Somewhere in the middle, I I'd kind of call ourselves a middle event where we've seen, I, I'm glad we've been part of that early phase of it. Not the earliest, but pretty early and, until now, you know, where we're really pretty comfortable in what we're bringing to people and as far as an event structure goes. So um, I let's just say I'm just watching it. And I'm sure. I hope it doesn't backfire in the world of gravel cycling in general, where all of a sudden the emphasis is totally on the fastest or whoever can pull in the most elite riders, you know, give the most TV coverage. I, you know, that's to me, that's definitely moving away a little bit from the, the, the gravel ethos that I started, you know, or that, Mm -hmm. that I, that I was part of um, back in the day. I certainly didn't start it, but that I was like, wow, that's a really great part of gravel cycling. I've certainly been part of that change of where it's different, you know, and I've done that myself, but to go like, to put all the emphasis on the fastest or who's pro I think is, I think could be a mistake in the long run. And, or I think we'll, I don't know. I, and maybe not a mistake, but I think it's going to change those events, you know, and, yeah, and maybe they'll yeah. just become what they are. I, I, and the smaller events will still be small gravel events, you know?
1: I, I, and and I hope so. Um And I hope if, if there's a correction, if it corrects itself, that um, like you said, it doesn't just totally take out gravel as a whole, and um, we can still be sustained by you know all the different. So I, I'm like you. I like every single. Like I said, like every side of the spectrum. I love the middle. Middle. Area where some of these like they're, they're large, but not too big. And then super small grassroots too. Um, I am, I am doing mid South this year for the first time. Mm -hmm. I'm super, super excited about that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I see, I do worry too about, um, you know, how it's, it's things start, are starting to seem like flashy, you know, like who has the flashiest, um, and, uh, biggest race. And, you know, sometimes I think, and it's not always this way, but when you're talking about growth and you went from a hundred miles down to 20 miles, but for some reason, a trend I've been seeing is everyone's tacking on more miles and more yeah. miles and more. I'm like, how many miles can we get? Are you know, like 200 now is just like, Oh, it's just a 200 mile race. And now we know, have 350 mile races. Like, come on. Like I, if it's a backpacking bikepacking race, like that's a whole different animal but you know a 350 mile i mean i have friends that you know are are gonna do the um gravel worlds whatever Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you have the now unbound xl and that's just something else but (laughs) anyways i i'd say it more jokingly it's like how how long could we get here but
0: uh well it's funny and personally i knew that um i talk about this a little bit in the film uh that that david produced was it, it cycling is and a lot of endurance stuff is kind of a drug for me, you know, I'm like, well, we did that much, you know, I wonder if we can do more, sure. you know, and it that's, gets into that's this- endurance,
1: like endurance people. Um, I, I love hundred miles. I love, yeah. you know, I've done huge, um, 250 mile events and things. It, it is, it's like, okay, yeah. I did this. What else can I do?
0: Yeah. And I I think uh, I know personally that that there's limits to that. And I've done, you know, some trans Iowas and the dirty Kansas and you're right. And and tour divide. And um, you're like, where's that? Where's a stopping point? You know, Um, and uh, oddly this year, our bikepacking event, we've actually made shorter. Um, We've gone down to just 60 mile days with the idea that, okay, everyone's going big. We're gonna zag in this way. Like, hmm. let's focus on a little shorter event and see. You know, it's gonna be small, only like 75 riders. and you know, they're not record days, you know. Um, but uh um sorry, my daughter's practicing violin. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what that looks like. I think there's plenty of room for people that just wanna start small now and be like, what does it feel like to ride 25 miles or like 60 miles with some uh, gear last year bike, you know, instead of going epically long to 400 miles, 500, you know, we're going to go and be okay with that shorter distance for, you know, a proportion of our events. So, yeah, it's, um, I think it will self-correct. It's certainly looking in the world of, of sight of, of gear and bikes. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing what's now available Mm -hmm. compared to 10 years ago. And um, and I think that's all like really pretty fascinating. Thankfully, I'm not entrenched in the cycling world, in the business. I've never run a shop. I've never been, I've always been a consumer that way. Um, So for me, it's more of a curiosity and it's just interesting to watch, particularly when I see new bikes roll up to the events. I'm like, oh my God, you know, these, these bikes are amazing. And all the Minutia of gear that you can have now tricked out for for gravel bikes is it's always pretty cool but um yeah i you know i'll be curious to see where it tops out and i'll tell you my prediction if they start bringing in i think there was some cory who runs who was one of the, the the founders of the uh gravel worlds um goes by cornbread Um, he and I, he's done many trans Iowas and, and, and he was in my home state of Nebraska and I've yet to get down to do the worlds, which I've got to do sometime. Um, but I think the UCI, the international cycling Mm -hmm, body mm -hmm. was, um, is now going to do a gravel world cup. And so everyone was waiting for this copyright battle to go on between (laughs) the pirate league cycling group, you know, and. The, the biggest organization in cycling in the world. And I think they backed off. And I I don't think there's a problem. But it was like, oh my gosh, we're at that point now where people are taking a tongue-in-cheek Gravel Worlds thing, which is which is what it was, you know, in, right. in Nebraska. Right. And now they're competing with the the world organizing body of cycling for the name Gravel Worlds. And I'm like, who would have guessed that 10 years ago? And <laughs> And I think that got resolved, but it was kind of a funny moment in, in the history of gravel cycling. So
1: sure. Yeah. Well, that is, yeah, I, I think it is super fascinating just to, just see how to see the growth. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I get excited when I see some, some of the pros that, uh, mm-hmm. whether they're, um, changing direction in their, in their focus or, mm-hmm. or they retired, you know, like I, I, I kind of like it, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if that can help the sport, I'm all for it. Um, if, uh, if we get to this point of more and more flashy races and how many, how, how far, how how far can we go? How many people can we Mm -hmm. shove in here and how fast can we, then yeah, it's, it it feels a little not as gravel ish as I'd like it, but yeah, we'll see. That's a, it's, it's going to be interesting the next few Mm -hmm. years you mentioned, um, this film on YouTube and just uh, that is, I think I said it before. That's where I I saw you first and heard of you first. Um, Sometimes I'll be, I'll have YouTube on in the background and just, it's like on a queue, like the next video comes up and Mm -hmm. the next video comes up and yours popped up called the good line. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. A gravel, uh, a gravel video. And then I, and then I, Whatever my focus was changed to the to the TV I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting and oh heck of the north I've heard of heck of the north but then the the direction of that film went somewhere I did not expect it to hmm. um first of all, it's beautifully made who who'd you say made the the film
0: yeah it's so a a local uh creator up here named David uh Cowardin, and he's uh been making films now for years um and so his body of work now is i was i was when he asked me when he asked me to do the film i i kind of jumped at the chance because his other work is really is really beautifully done too and he's a great storyteller and so i was honored that he thought that there was maybe a story in there um and so we took the time to do it um and it took a while because then COVID hit and life happened for both of us. And, and, but it finally came together. And, um, so he's, he's a a great local, um, up here, Northern Minnesota, Duluth guy. And, uh, So,
1: so you said, I mean, he's a great storyteller. Did he, did he know your story or did he want to do a, a piece on the, the, the gravel race and the event and the community there? Or did he, does he know you personally?
0: Well, um, we because because it's other. very personal
1: he gets very personal yeah yeah,
0: yeah. and he's really sneaky that way um, <laughs> he's a really good interviewer and um and you know a, a, a big set section of the work we did was just me in his living room with the audio on and he was asking me questions and um and you know I was in a in a place where I felt to be, you know to be really honest about the responses and uh yeah, some heavy material for me. And I think the story grew, obviously, you know, as I think anyone who writes or creates stuff realizes that the story sometimes changes midway. Like, you know, all of a sudden your idea of what you where the end place was, was going to be all of a sudden took a totally different path, you know. And so I don't know exactly what David had in his mind. He was pretty, pretty quiet about that. Um, all I know is, you know, he asked some pretty pointed questions about gravel cycling and 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 how it shapes my brain and and you know mental health in general. And, and then we got into relationship stuff. And and um, you know, I'm a mental health nurse and I work in the ER here. And I I ask, I, I talk some really heavy things with people that are don't know me, you know, and I, I'm not afraid to discuss that stuff. But, uh, you know, it's always different when it's personal. And and then, you know, it, with stories, too, it's like I, I kind of joke that the world doesn't need another 40 or 50 year old white guy talking about cycling, you know. <laughs> uh, sorry, but though it, no, it's so true. <laughs> David did a good enough job that I'm like, OK, well, I'll give it a shot, you know, and I, yeah. I, I think from what I've heard back from people that it resonated with with people that see it, you know, and I. I just think that David did a, a good job of putting it, a really good job of putting it together. And, and maybe there's, you know, parts of that story again, that, that hit people in, in a, a way that a good story does, you know?
1: Yeah. And,
0: um, and before, yeah, I, we've been kind of,
1: kind of dancing around it a little bit, but um, the story kind of opens up, it introduces you, it introduces Heck of the North and, and your event, but then kind of starts uh, talking about uh your your struggle um in your journey your your kind of mm-hmm. mental health journey throughout the the, the last few years and mm-hmm. um um yeah and i thought it was it i think it things like that yeah you know who it's just another uh another white guy talking about his problems or something but i i don't <laughs> know i think it's it's helpful for people so like someone like me that can watch hey i'm, I'm into cycling i'm into gravel cycling whoa this kind of came out of left field. I wasn't expecting it, but now it has my attention and, um, mm-hmm. definitely resonates with, with me and with, with a lot of other people. Um, I think, I think it's important that honesty is important for, for everyone to, for everyone to hear, um, and to be honest with ourselves then in turn, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, I, that self-deprecating when it talks about, you know, who it's for, it, it doesn't matter who, you know, the, you know, I think it's, it's stuff that uh, it's topics that probably a lot of people I know have dealt with in their life or are dealing with in their life when it just comes to like, kind of where am I at in my life? Or what's my relationship like, you know, that um, whatever that may be with if you're, you know, married or, in a some sort of partnership. Um, those heavier questions really, you know, had this really cool intersection with cycling. And I think, that is kind of a universal story, no matter where you're coming from, you know, what race you are, what age you are. It's like, there's something about cycling to me that really allowed me to process some heavy things in my life. And I see that and I hear that from other people that do my events too. You know, some, I mean, I I say the tour divide was life-changing for me and I don't say that lightly, you know, so there was something about that process of, Spinning the wheels that many times and and being that raw emotionally and physically that really was needed for me at that can time.
1: You, can, you, can you set that up for us a little bit? Because um, you did it really well in the video, in the film. And um, I was going to ask you about that, uh, about your experience at the Tour Divide. Um, can you set up where you were leading up to even traveling to the start of it?
0: Yeah. Um, well, like I, I mentioned the tour divide. Um, so I did it in 2017 It had been going for a number of years before that, but it always been like this back and forth obsession that I've had for years and finally got the opportunity to really put it together via support from family, Frank, you know, frankly, like mm-hmm. in-laws and everyone and, um, and my wife and, and the rest of my family at the time. And, um, and, so I, I just dedicated all this time, all this energy to putting that together. And it, it is, you know, a ton of time to get that lined up. Um and <clears throat> but you know, it, it hit at a time in our in, in the relationship with my wife that was um, you know, it's like uh there was we needed, I think, a lot of work at that time. Um and it, you know, it, it was. <laughs> It was a crazy timing um, in in that part of my relationship, and so being when when I left, it was like, "Holy cow, where am I at? Where am I at with anything?" You know, I, I didn't know, frankly, the status of which way my marriage was going to go, where I was at with you know this this person that I loved, and um, uh and it took that it, it took that twenty two days. I mean, that was kind of the start of it. I should say, of being by myself and riding, really, you know, 120 miles a day on average. That I I don't know how I finished it, really, with how, what was kind of going on in my brain. But um, at that same time, it was a very, I think, cathartic might be the word of just like coming to dealing with some really really heavy stuff and and that process of um, the Tour Divide, which was in a an incredible experience and 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 extremely difficult every day you know to kind of wade through some of that really heavy stuff that i was that we were going through at the time and and it wasn't just a relationship it was um um it was it maybe where who i was at the at the time of like you know what am i doing in life and it was i wouldn't say a midlife crisis but it was kind of there was some elements that were like this is needs to be figured out yeah (laughs) you know And it's yeah, Yeah. I,
1: I I thank you for, for sharing that again. Um, I, it struck me when you're telling me this, um, it strikes me that when you're preparing for, for something like the tour divide, um, your, your, your mental energy is usually taken up by the event itself. And you kind of want to go into something like that with a certain clarity and a certain, um, I mean,
0: Let's focus. be honest,
1: like, like if you're not focused, you, you can get into some big trouble. And it's the yeah. same, same thing with any, you know, any like big event or or like, yeah. like long, you know, you, you need to be focused. So as you're telling me this, like, I, I could not imagine going into um, something that requires focus, but then being drawn elsewhere. But then I'm thinking, was that actually kind of a blessing to have, to have that, and to one to have the time for yourself,
0: mm-hmm. and to
1: and to to go through, uh, just have that time to kind of process. And then I'm sure when you look back at the tour divide now, it it has so much more meaning to you than if you just went and accomplished it because you accomplished multiple things on that trip, and it just wasn't <laughs> finishing.
0: Right. Uh, well, that's a, I think a really good question. Or insights is that I think the space that I decided to take with the tour divide and then at the same time, you know, the space that we were apart during my my wife and I were you know, physically apart during that time, obviously. And, um, I think I could have easily just like, I, I can't believe I didn't just stop after two days and be like, what is going on? You know, like, <laughs> why am I, why am I still doing this? Something, I don't know why, but something made me keep going. And, and I, it, I I don't have a great answer for that. I think that's really good. Like how you can do things in the face of a lot of other stress coming at you from another direction, you know, and maybe I was allowed to just, I I blocked it out a little bit, but let me tell you, when you're writing like that, there's, you've got it's certainly not boring, but you've got a lot of time to think about stuff. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, and, and the tour for me was spent a largely individual. Like I didn't ride with many people. Um, and so there was, there was time to really kind of just get to the bare basics of life. And that's the beauty of cycling. It's the beauty of bikepacking. I think of like, Hey, your job is to get some sleep, get on your bike in the morning, eat, take care of your bodily functions, and then ride. Those are, I mean, it's ridiculous in its simplicity, kind mm-hmm. of, even though it's complex in a micro level, but it's like, those are your main jobs for me. I needed to get 100 miles every day, somehow, you know. But um, the idea of like the right time, it, I think it was just, it was somewhat I'm glad it happened. And yeah, the, the tour divide now has a whole other context of just more than more than just finishing a big physical challenge. It was a big emotional challenge as well. And to do them kind of simultaneously or uh, it, it, whatever worked, you know, it it, it, it happened and it um, I was able to get through and, and, and come out. You know, as we look back now, uh, both of us benefited from that time away from each other and also doing the things that we did of like, you know, I kind of banged my head against a rock for 20 days and we had, we had time to think about where we were going, you know, and I don't know if, if I was at a conference for 20 days, if it would have been the same, I think there was really something magic about riding, you know, during that time period. And I think, okay, bringing it, not, you know, away from me, but like when people do hundred mile days, you know, I think it's a smaller version. I've, I've had that on hundred mile days where you're out there for seven, eight, 10 hours. And you're like, you know, you think about life and you think about, you know, you go through ups and downs during the day, you know, and peaks one minute, you're doing great. You know, another 10 miles, you're feeling like hell. Then it switches around and I I like that mini analogy for, for gravel is that it's hard, but it's not impossible. And I think it allows people to finish that, that day and be like, wow, that was, you know, I thought about some stuff or, you know, maybe I didn't think about something for 10 hours, you know, whatever it is they needed. That's what you can get from doing a long event. I
1: I would hope that threshold moves from person to person. Oh, for sure. Because the the benefit that I get from, from riding, um, mentally is much like, you know, most people do. Um, and I, and I would hope that that's accessible to everyone, whether or not they can bite off a hundred miles or, you know, be doing the tour divide or can, or can just do a 20 mile ride. I think just that, that
0: it's all relative. Mm-hmm. And I, I strongly believe in that it's, everyone is really different. And, and I may have been, you know, these people, I'm an outlier, I guess, of like, you know, um, of, you know, we take it for granted now, but it's still like, I'm, I look back, I'm like, wow, that was kind of impressive. Like what I did and, and that certain people do. But then I talk to people that finished a marathon or a 26 mile gravel event, or, or even five miles on their bike. And, the story is just as powerful, it's just different, and it's so relative to the person telling it. And right. that's where that beauty lies, in that you don't have to do the tour divide. That's where I was in my life at that time. You talk to, you know, I'm sh- people that haven't been on their bike for 40 years and they finish five miles, and like that's a big deal, you know. And I never ever say that that doesn't, I mean, that's just as powerful. It's just different. It looks a little different, right. you know, right. and that, that's really where the cool stories are again. Um, you know, I, the, the movie, um, you know, I guess I hope the movie brought some of that shared experience of, of both not only cycling, but also kind of life stressors together for some people. And, and I think, I've I've gotten good responses back, and and maybe I haven't I don't have I haven't gotten any negative responses, you know, which is interesting. There's always some guy that writes back, and <laughs> you think about and you know one letter out of a hundred is bad, and you think you know you're the whole time sure, about it ruins that, everything. <laughs> it ruins everything, but no, I mean people have been really really cool with that story. So I again push that back on David for putting it together, and and um, you know if I if I help that story along, that's great. I'm I'm glad to be part of it.
1: I think, it, I mean, it's definitely something, I think we were talking about this on the phone a few days ago, but, uh, mental health in, in sport has just been something yeah. that's been way more, um, well, I guess talked about mm-hmm. in the last few months between the Olympics and tennis and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I definitely, you know, any, anything that brings that out more has to be good. Um, and, and it's interesting I don't I I I I hesitate cuz I know you are a um mental health professional or uh, I guess you, mm-hmm. would you call yourself that a mental health professional Yeah pro- I or, mean I'm a I'm a registered professional. nurse
0: yeah Yeah and I consider it a professional career now but um I talk with people that come into the ER who are suicidal or psychotic and or extremely anxious depressed whatever mental health concern they have and I help physician or the the pa make a decision whether or not they're going to go inpatient or not you know what to do next so you know i my day-to-day work is listening to like really amazing crazy sometimes extremely traumatic stories of and and trying to get people more comfortable with the idea of talking about their mental health you know Mm you know people go to the hospital and like hey i've got a broken ankle let's go to the hospital. I've got pneumonia. They'll tell their family, Hey, I've got pneumonia. I've got a broken arm, whatever it is. But as soon as you start talking about mental health in this country, you know, it's like no one, and it's getting better. I mean, we are going the right direction, but it's like, you can talk about pneumonia, but you can't talk about the anxiety or the suicidal thoughts you may have had, you know, that's like still taboo. And that really needs to change. And so I'm still kind of, you know, sorting through that with when it comes to, you know, how much to share about, um, well, I mean, there is no, there's no question to me that that needs to change in the country. And when it comes to cycling, I know personally um, that, you know, I've I've talked to other riders that are recovering addicts, and that's a really interesting transition between being addicted to a substance like heroin or alcohol or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then moving into the endurance world. You would be amazed at the number of addicts that switched from sure. using to endurance racing i mean it's fascinating um and so and i also talked to the people that have you know really done top 10 events for me and they're they're you know maybe not suicidal but they they, they struggle with depression or anxiety and and cycling for them i'm sure is a, a therapeutic thing most likely and um and again then people just don't know about it because um no one talks about depression or anxiety, you know, um, until it's too, too far gone. And so to have that discussion in the public of like, yeah, cycling is really good for my mental health because X, Y, Z, you know, I'm like, that's great. You know, just like you would talk about like, well, physical therapy was really good for my sore back. You know, there's no stigma to that. There should be no stigma to talking about, you know, getting yourself back on a mental mentally healthy state via any exercise, you know, whether it's cycling or or something else, some more type of therapy. So,
1: yeah, I guess my, my hesitation was, uh, I, I was, I I know it's, it's so, it's so nuanced that there can't be just a a blanket, uh, um, you know, a, a fix, like there, there's not one way to fix this, but then as I was thinking about that, then you went into this, well, we just need to talk about it more and it needs to be brought to light and it needs to be spoken about and on, you know, all, all these different ways. And so I agree with that. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that is, that's how we start and, and then how, yeah. and, and that, that's, that's the move in the right direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has been interesting watching these really elite level athletes, uh, like you mentioned in, in particularly in tennis and, and other Mm -hmm. uh in gymnastics to like holy mackerel that's like a big deal you know that's like (laughs) that's the elite of the elite saying you know i'm not i'm not feeling it this time you know i'm like when do you see that was shocking to see you know right and um and i i know there's without a doubt there's cyclists and within gravel cycling and, and pro cyclists too and that you know it's just that's why they write or that's part of what their, their process is for staying on top of, uh, their life, you know, and, um, I don't, I don't have an agenda when it comes to mental health and writing, um, or the events or, but I certainly, when people write to me or and share their experiences, I'm, I'm really open and with them and say, Hey, I'm, I'm more than a, you know, I'm really glad you told me that stuff. And, um, you know, it's cool that they're open, you know, that they can share it because it's like, it's kind of a big deal for some people to talk about. And, uh, that's been a really odd, but fascinating and really rewarding part of, of directing the events is, you know, listening to other stories of where people have been and, and what cycling does to their life, you know? And I think gravel, gravel's just really cool that way. I don't remember people talking about, you know, road racing that way, you know? Yeah, I don't even know about mountain biking back in the, you know, heyday of when mountain biking came out, you know, when I saw it in the eighties and the, and the nineties, um, I don't know. It was definitely, it was, it was different. Gravel is, um, I, I still hope that we can keep that, um, again, that feel that, that openness in gravel cycling of like, you know, I, I think that's a great layer to gravel cycling and I, I hope that sticks around.
1: That, um, That kind of wraps the whole, our whole conversation kind of full circle back to gravel. Um, Do you want to just quickly, I I don't remember, did you give us the dates of your, of your three events?
0: Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, Everything is uh, via the website, heckofthenorth.com. That's um, all one word. And Le Grand Nord is May 28th this year. It's Memorial Day Saturday. Uh, the Fox, our, our two day bikepacking event is July, end of July. I think it's July 28th through the 30th and then heck of the North is October 1st this year. Okay. So just a hair later. Uh, so we're kind of spread throughout the season and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, hope again, up in this region, we really look forward to, um, we're making a big push to, like I said, to welcome riders that may have never felt welcome to cycling whatever community you're coming from uh, or what other age. So our cyclists 18 and younger ride free as long as they've got a guardian or parent with them. Um, So we've seen a big increase in that, which is great. We're seeing local high school, like mountain bike teams start hitting the gravel during the season. Um, I'm seeing, you know, we're seeing riders in their seventies and eighties getting out there. And that is awesome to me. You know, again, those are where the really great stories are, um and we're just seeing you know we're, we're we do a 20 percent discount for people that refer new riders to cycling or to gravel cycling so try to make it a little bit more accessible to them like hey you know here's 20 percent off come join us um that's where it's at really with me and and we've gone further to kind of welcome other communities up north here that you know maybe never felt welcomed in the cycling community and and that's a slow process but I I hope we get there. Um, So that's, again, that's where it's at. If we get some growth from that, that's great. Uh, Otherwise, I just want, I want new people out there riding and I I want our old veterans to be there too. I mean, I love seeing them. I see these people twice a year and they're, it's a highlight of my year for some, you know, like, wow, this is great. I only (laughs) see you a couple of times, but I, you know, I see them at the finish line and I, and that's why I still keep doing it.
1: That's, that's great. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for your time and talking about your events, and then being able to, you know, get in this whole conversation about mental health and talking about your own experience. Um, really appreciate it. I think the film is, and it, and its honesty and and what it communicates, it is is helpful to a lot of people. And um, and then again, I appreciate you kind of rehashing it and re reliving not reliving it, but, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I appreciate you talking about it here too. Um, yeah. And for people listening in Michigan, I, I like the idea of you're just on the other side of Lake Superior. So you're not really much different than, than, than us, right?
0: <laughs> no, 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 we're not that far away. I yeah. mean, and, um, like I said, man, when I look at the calendar now, I am, it is I'm blown away with the number of events, you know, in the country. And it, it makes me wish I could have the whole summer off to go tour and to go race different parts of the country, you know, just right. through the gravel events. I, I think that'd be an awesome way to see the country and to meet new people, you know? And so we're That's a good thing. There's lots of good things going on in gravel cycling these days. So I'm, I'm happy to be part of that. And thanks for letting me talk a little bit more. And it's, um, you know, it's. I always, I really enjoy talking about cycling and as, um, you know, hopefully we can see each other someday on the road.
1: Definitely. Thank you. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast. Email dirtychainpodcast at com. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by myself, Trevor Gibney. A huge thank you to Jeremy Kershaw for joining us on this episode. And thank you for listening to the Dirty Chain podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack.